Father, we thank you so much again for this morning. Thank you for Sabbath. Thank you, Lord, for your grace. Thank you, Jesus, that you allow sinful, unholy, unrighteous beings like us to dwell in the presence of righteousness, holiness, and purity. And Lord, that of itself is a reason to praise you this morning. God, we pray that you bless our service as we open up your word. We pray and ask that the Holy Spirit would grant to us insight into the will of God for our personal lives and our lives together as a church family. Thank you, God, for hearing our prayer. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, church family, how many people have their Bibles? Raise your hand. Okay, very good, because you will be needing the Bible today, I promise you that. And uh, so before we go any further, I'm just going to tell you a little bit about myself that you may not know. I think after preaching here for about three and a half years, I might have told you every single secret in my personal life. Well, there is something else that I have not spoken to too many people about, and it's this. I actually grew up being very fond of comic books. Very fond of comic books. These days, people watch comic books more than they do read comic books. But I actually grew up being very fond of comic books. I'd go out and get the latest edition of Batman or Superman or whoever it was that I was interested in that week. You know, it's very interesting. Um, these days, when they're out into the movie production of these superhero movies, some of these characters, some of these actors actually play into their character so much that it messes them up mentally, too. And so it's not a, a, just a, a light thing that we just look at and just say, oh, wow, these people are doing a great job, great acting. They're putting their, their minds on the lines when it comes to these things. It's very interesting. But anyways, I actually had a, a, an interest in comic books and superheroes, and I was also interested in arcade machines. Now, I had this game that I used to play, and it was called this. It was called Marvel vs. Camcon. Marvel vs. Camcon. And uh, I would always play this video game. I'd go out, whether we're eating pizza or whatever it was I was eating that day, I'd go out to the arcade and I'd take on anybody else who, who was playing. Uh, actually, just a few years ago, I was on the youth evangelism team and we had gone out to pizza with our team. And uh, there was an arcade machine there and it happened to be that very same video game. And, you know, I thought, okay, well, why not? You know, so I went over there, and I, there was this, this kid who was just beating everybody. There was this line of kids, and he was just beating everybody. And so I got into line, and I beat him, not just once, but twice. And he got very frustrated with me. And so I, these are things that are still in the brain of a nail canda. They're, they're slowly being moved out, but they're taking its time. It's taking its time. What's very interesting about this whole comic book and superhero uh, sort of motif that's out there is, I think to me, was the idea that human beings could be more than just normal. That they could actually possess abilities and gifts that nobody else had, supernaturally endowed. But it's very interesting, when you actually read the scriptures in the book of Matthew, chapter 24, you see a parable in which you see a description of a master who endowed his servants with gifts and abilities. Now everybody, take your Bible, let's go to Matthew chapter 24. Matthew chapter 24, I'm going to do my best to get you out of here. We're just still tightening up some loose bolts in our church service, 
You know, it's very interesting, by the way. Um, pastors are the worst church members. I just want to say that to you right now. That's the secret. Pastors are the worst church members. If I'm not preaching, I'm going to be standing in the back. You know why? Because I can't sit down for more than 45 minutes. You know how they say doctors are the worst patients? Church pastors are the worst church members. And so when I see you guys out here sitting patiently, I say, praise the Lord. These people have patience. All right. We're going to Matthew chapter 24. Are we all there? Okay. Who knows what Matthew chapter 24 is all about? You should by now. What's it about? It's about end time events. You know what's very remarkable about end time events is this. When you study Matthew chapter 24, what you will realize is that Matthew 24 is more about end time people than it is about end time events. Do you hear what I just said? It's more about end time people than it is about end time events. Actually, when you look at the first part of Matthew chapter 24, it's about events. But then it just gets into people and it goes into Matthew 25. What's very remarkable about Matthew chapter 25, while Matthew 24 is describing end time events, it starts leading the reader into understanding what the end time people will be doing, what they look like, and, and just the various ways they're going to be carrying out the will of God. Jesus actually gives a sequence. He gives a what? A sequence to describe his people. He starts off by giving a parable about ten virgins found in Matthew chapter 25. And the parable is designed to teach the reader that we need the Holy Spirit. Can you say amen to that? We absolutely need the Holy Spirit. We cannot do any ministry. We can't keep the commandments of God. We can't follow Jesus without the Holy Spirit. And those who are lacking the Holy Spirit are left out. And then what you see next, Jesus does something remarkable. He then transitions into the parable of the talents, the work. And we're going to dive into that parable. But what happens after that? He then gets into the results of the work. So notice this. He describes the empowering of the work found in the parable of the ten virgins. And then he describes the work found in the parable of the talents. And then he describes the fruits of the work when he talks about and many will come to him in that day, you know, and they'll say, you know, when did I visit you in prison? When did I feed you when you're hungry? And Jesus said, when you did it to the least of my brethren, you did it to me. Now you notice that sequence. You have the empowerment of ministry, then you have ministry, and then you have the fruits of ministry. And it's very important for us, as we study God's word, to take a good look at Matthew chapter 25. We're going to be taking a good look at the parable of talents. The parable of what? Talents, that's exactly right. So take your Bible. Let's go to Matthew 25, verse 15. Is it me or is it a little hot in here? Good. That's the Holy Spirit getting you ready. And a sign that our deacons need to turn on the air condition. Okay. Matthew chapter 25. Are we all there? Amen? Amen. Now take a good look at verse... Let's actually start with verse 14. For the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a what? Far country. One of the things to note about parables is this. Notice this pattern. Every time there is a certain man introduced in the very beginning of the parable, it is generally a reference to Christ. A reference to who? Christ. He was a king who went to a kingdom, or he's a king who went on a journey. Now take a good look at this parable. He was a man traveling to a far what? 
country who called his servants and delivered his goods to them. Now watch verse 15. And to one he gave five talents, to another two, and to one, another one to each one according to his own ability. And immediately he went on a journey. Now notice this. This master says, you know what, i got to go on this journey to India, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to take my servants who are in the house, he calls them together and he says, okay, I have some goods and I want you to use these goods. And to one servant who he knows can handle five talents, and by the way, one talent is 6,000 days wages, he says, all right, I know you can handle five talents and I know you can do well with it, so I'm going to give this to you. And so that, that servant says, all right, thank you, master, and he runs out of the house. And then he calls his next servant up, and he says, okay, to you, I am going to give two talents. So he gives him two talents, and he says, thank you, master, and he goes running out of the house. And then he scratches his head, and he says, okay, now you in the corner, I want you to come over here. And he says, I have one talent left, but I want you to take this talent and I want you to go make some money. And so this servant says, all right, master. And he goes running outside the house. And the master said, okay, let's get those horses ready. And then he galloped out of there to that far country. What you see in this parable is how God is describing the way in which he empowers his church. His what? His church. God gives gifts to his church. Can you say amen to that? And each one of these gifts is designed to be fitting into the whole to help advance the cause of God. To help advance what? The cause of God, which is what? The kingdom, the salvation of who? Men. By the way, do you know what the word evangelism is? Now let's cut the word evangelism. Let's take off the prefix. Let's take off the suffix. And what do you have? The word angel. Do you know what the word angel means? It means messenger. So you know what evangelism is? It is the work of angels. A work that God could have given to angels, but he wanted to include you in this work so that you would develop love and sanctification in this process. The work of saving men saves us. Can you say amen to that? And so God gives his people, the work of evangelism in all its forms. Can you say amen to that? And that is the mission of the church. That is why we are together. It is to help advance the cause of God, evangelism. Can we say amen to that one more time? So evangelism is not an event, it's a lifestyle. Evangelism is not an event, it's a what? Lifestyle. Lifestyle. Now, how many people here are called to be evangelists? Raise your hand. You should have all raised your hand. How many people here are called to be teachers? Raise your hand. You should have all raised your hand. Maybe you'll get it the third time. I won't even do it because I know you got it. Okay, folks, don't forget this point. Each one of these gifts helps the kingdom of God grow in a certain way. It's part of a component that leads to the whole. To give you an example, I need somebody here who's ever dug a ditch or a foundation. Raise your hand if you've ever dug a ditch. Ma'am, can I borrow you? Would you mind coming up to the front? I bet you didn't know that. All right. How many people here have ever 
poured a foundation in. Raise your hand. Okay. Shannon, can I borrow you? Okay. We need a strong man to move this. Never mind. It's connected to a wire. Okay. Okay. Now, what I want you to do is I want you to dig the, 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 the ditch that's going to form the, the area where the foundation's going to be laid. You didn't expect this this morning, did you? Okay, neither did I? Okay. So this is what I want you to do. I want you to dig. Okay, good. And Shannon, you're gonna be pouring the foundation simultaneously, and you're thinking to yourself, and now who hired you as a foreman? I did, okay. Okay, now Shannon, what Shannon's going to be doing, since he doesn't have his cement truck, he's going to be taking bags of cement from the uh, Home Depot. Here's Home Depot, okay? And this is what I want you to do. I want you to come in here, I want you to mix some water, and I want you to pour it down into the, the ditch that's happening. Okay, so you guys can continue with that. Okay, how many people here have ever done framing before? Raise your hand. Where's Tom? He's not here. The day that he should have been here. Okay, who, George, you've done framing before? I want you to come up here. Okay, George. Now, framing is pretty easy. Have you ever done, you've done framing, obviously, right? Okay, now I want you to put framing up. I want you to stick a, a wooden um, stick, okay? And I want you to, to hammer it in, and I want you to build this house. Okay, now how many people here have ever done drywalling before? Raise your hand. Vitaly, can I borrow you for just a second? Okay, now, try not to hit each other. Okay, Vitaly, I want you to just start putting drywall up and I want you to start nailing it in. You can use a nail gun or a hammer, either one. Okay, how many people here have ever laid or put a roof on before? Raise your hand. No one raises their hand. <laughs> Paul, do you mind coming up here for just a second? Now, what you guys are thinking, okay, Anel, this is one of your funny analogies. I am not being funny right now. You're being funny, okay? Okay, Paul, what you're going to do, since you don't need a ladder because of your height, I want you to start, <laughs> I want you to start putting down the roof. You take some shingles, and I want you to just put it over this roof. Okay, this is an A-frame house. Okay, oh, yeah. Good, good, okay. No, no, you gotta keep going, okay? There's work to be done. Okay, how many people here have ever done interior decorating? Where? Where? Okay, Lisa, why don't you come up, okay. Now you guys are gonna have to work faster because Lisa's starting interior decorating right now. Okay, Lisa, feel free to start looking at uh, paintings you can put up. Okay, very good. Now I need somebody here who can do electrical. I'm obviously not being sequential right now, but I need someone who can do electrical. Okay, Kevin, do you mind coming up here? Okay. Kevin, I want you just to hold these wires and act like you're putting electrical wiring in the house. Okay, very good. Okay, now I need somebody who is going to be the financial guy for this house. Who here has ever calculated finances for building a house before? No one? Anybody ever built a house and 
carried out the cost? Okay, I, I, Victor, can you come up here for just a second? The, our drywall is giving advice to our roofing guy right now. So, okay, Victor, I want you to be right here and I want you to start calculating the cost, okay? Of how much this is going to cost, okay? All right, everybody, for the rest of us, while these people are working, I want you to take your Bible and I want you to go to Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5. What book did I say? Ephesians chapter 5. And when you're there, go ahead and say amen. Remember, Ephesians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, General Electric Power Company. Okay, we're going to Ephesians chapter 5. Excuse me, Ephesians chapter 4. Are we all there? Okay, take a good look at Ephesians chapter 4. Okay, very good. Now I want you to look at verse 7. Are we all there? Ephesians chapter 4, verse 7. Uh, drywalling is not getting done right now. Oh, well, <laughs> okay. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 7. Are we all there? Okay, now let's read verse 7. Uh, verse 7. But to each one, who's each one? Us, his people. To each one, grace was given according to the measure of Christ. What? Gift. Now take a good look at verse 8. Therefore, he says, when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive and gave what? Gifts to men. God gave what to men? Gifts. Gifts. Through his Holy Spirit, he empowered his church. Amen. And these are called what? Gifts. Now go to verse 11. This is very important, you guys. Do not miss this point. And he himself, there's that word again, gave some to be what? Apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. Now watch this. For the what? Equipping of the saints for the work of what? Ministry for the edifying of the what? Body of Christ. Now notice this. These are the three reasons why God gave gifts to men. Okay? Number one. Sorry. Number one, for the equipping of the saints. The purpose of giving those gifts was to help all the saints in the kingdom to be equipped. Now watch the second thing. For the work of ministry. For the work of what? Ministering to others. Now watch the third thing. For the edifying of the what? Does anybody know what the word edifying means? It means to build up. Okay, so what was the purpose of these gifts? It was to help build up the kingdom of God. Amen. Folks, do you guys realize this? That ministry is designed to help build up the kingdom of what? God, thank you so much. You guys may be seated. Now, you're thinking to yourself, wow, that was really great getting all those people. What did it have to do with the sermon? Here's the point, folks. God did not give everybody the same gifts. Can you say amen to that? Each one had a purpose and a function, but they were to work together to help what? Build up the kingdom of God. Folks, do not miss this. When God gave talents to men, I love what Ellen White says. She says those talents were things that were gifts that were either cultivated or inherited, either natural or spiritual. So you may think to yourself, okay, I don't have the gift of preaching. But if you have the gift of putting, uh, the gift of uh, laying a foundation down, that of itself is a gift. Can you say amen to that? 
whether natural or supernatural, rather natural or spiritual. God gave a variety of gifts. All the things you can do, you know who it comes from? God. Can you say amen to that? Now let's continue with this parable. We're going to see something very interesting. Verse 15. Matthew 25, verse 15. 25, verse 15. Okay. And to one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, to each one according to his own ability. Immediately he went on a journey. Verse 16. Then he who had received the five talents went and what? Traded with them and made another five talents. And likewise, he who had received two gained two more also. Now what did the first two servants do with the gifts that God gave them? They doubled them. They traded them and... By the, by the uh, very effect of trading them, what took place? The gifts were doubled. You know what's very interesting about this whole idea about gifts and talents and the abilities God grants to us? Is that Ellen White says in the book Christ Object Lesson, she describes about six or seven gifts that everybody has. How many people have it? Do you want to know what those gifts are? You're thinking, okay, now I thought you were going to talk about the gift of singing like Scott went, or, or like uh, the gift of preaching like Mario Frembrez, or, you know, whatever it is. Here's the thing. Here are the gifts that everybody has. Are you ready for it? Here we go. You can read this, by the way, in Christ's Object Lessons. Number one, mental faculties. Your brain is a gift from God. Can you say amen to that? And folks, if you don't use that gift, you know what's going to happen? You're going to lose it. If you don't exercise your brain, you're going to lose it. We're living in a culture today that very is, that just very opposed to, for, for people to actually start thinking. But folks, here's the thing. Everybody here has a brain. You may think, not my husband. No, he has a brain too. <laughs> and that is a gift from God and you need to use it. Can you say amen to that? If you don't use your brain, you're going to lose it. Now, how many people here are still getting education? Raise your hand. Everybody should be raising their hand. You know why? Because we all should be getting an education. It may not necessarily be in the classroom, but we should constantly be educating our mind. And if we don't use those faculties in our brain, they're going to rust. Amen? Now, let's keep going. Speech. What is that second gift? How many people here can make sounds with their mouth? Raise your hand. Guess what? You have a gift of speech. You know what's very remarkable about this? I noticed something very interesting. You know how these servants traded? Right? They were trading their abilities. When you actually read Ezekiel 28 describing the fall of Lucifer, what you will read about is how in heaven, when he was beginning his rebellion, that he was trading. It even uses the word, it says these words, by the abundance of your trading, you committed iniquity. Ellen White goes even a step further and she says, anytime we engaged in corrupt speech, we are trading with Satan. Folks, we ought to be encouraging people, amen? Do you know what the word encourage means? To give courage. In fact, when you do a study of the book of Acts, you will find that when God was trying to grow the church, in the very beginning it says that all the disciples were one accord, and you know what took place? The Holy Spirit came with explosive power, and it says that 
the word of, the, word of God grew greatly. And then God adds another ingredient to the church. He, he brings together a, a unity of love, and it says they shared everything, and they had everything uh, together, and it says that the church grew. And then it says that God appointed seven deacons. And then all of a sudden, the church grew. God was adding structure to this organic model. But here's the most remarkable thing to all the ingredients that God added to the church. You read Acts chapter 11. God adds a man by the name of Barnabas. And does anybody know what Barnabas means? It means son of encouragement. In fact, when you read about him, how he went to Antioch, and it says that Barnabas was a good man, a man of faith. It says right after he strengthened all the brethren with his words, the church grew. One of the ingredients God used to grow his church was a man who encouraged people. Take that to the church model experts. A man who just encouraged people? That's exactly right. With your speech... You are either building up the kingdom of God or tearing it down. I want to repeat that one more time. With your speech, you are either building up the kingdom of God or you are tearing it down. Now watch this other talent that God gives to every person. Influence. What's that word? Influence. The effect that you have around the people that are around you. Now how many people here have influence? Raise your hand. You're like, okay, we're just going to raise our hand for everything. That's right. Everyone should be raising your hand. You have the gift of influence. You impact somebody's life. I promise you this. For the kingdom, you have influence. Here's another talent that everybody has. Here it is. Time. What's that word? Time. In fact, you know what? The book Christ Object Lessons goes a step further and says out of all the talents that God will require the most strictest account, it will be the talent of time. Why time? Because with time you do anything. And with time you honor God the most with your gifts. Folks, you know what the Sabbath is? It's God's way of doubling your week. Do you hear what I just said? It's God's way of doubling your week. You ever spend time with God in the morning and you spend that time with God early in the morning and you have that time of devotion? You know what happens the rest of the day? All of a sudden you have this incredible amount of time and you're getting things done. When you actually take that Sabbath that God has given for your, for your benefit and you take that day and you said, okay, Lord, I'm going to rest according to the fourth commandment, you know what you will find with the rest of your week? It will be doubled. People who say, no, I want that day, you know what happens? They're struggling just to make it to the very next day. But if you take that Sabbath and you rest and just receive that, that, that beauty and goodness that God has for you, I promise you this, your week will be even more incredible. Can you say amen to that? We've got to make sure we're not just being idle. And by the way, when you read Ezekiel chapter 16, you will find out that the sin of Sodom and Gomorrah was more than just homosexuality. You know what it says? They had pride, fullness of bread, and idleness. Those were their real sins. Everything else was the fruit of that. Idleness, they had a lot of time on their hands. And you know what took place? They never took advantage of that time. They never used that time. Folks, give your time to God. Amen? 
and you will see what he does for you. Let's keep going. So we have mental faculties, speech, influence, time. Here's another one, health. Health. Now, how many people here have health? Raise your hand. If you're breathing, you have health. I didn't say you had good health, but you have health. And your health is a talent. The very fact you can turn the steering wheel, the very fact you got up today, the very fact you were able to eat food, you have health. And that is a talent from God. And anything that weakens the body affects the mind. And those drugs and alcohol many people put into their bodies, what is happening, their mind is becoming more and more corrupt. And God wants that spiritual antenna to be clear. Can you say amen to that? Health is a talent. Health is a talent. Here's another one. Money. No amens? You know, somebody corrected me during the nominating committee. I really appreciate what she said. I said, well, we need to return tithe, and she, we need to pay tithe, and she said to me, we're not paying tithe, we're returning tithe. We're giving God back just 10%. It belongs to him. This is not some church growth suggestion. This is a commandment in the Bible. And when God calls us to be faithful in that which is least, you know what's going to happen? He'll bless us and give us more. Amen? And all our money belongs to the Lord. In fact, what you will find out that the more you give, you know what's going to happen? The more you will gain. The more you give, the more you'll what? Gain. Let's keep going. Affections. She actually includes affections. Now, how many people here feel that they can love people? Raise your hand. Okay, we all have a, a, an ability to love people, and it comes from Jesus. Can you say amen to that? But there are some people who could probably be a little bit more affectionate. You ever seen those people? They're just the type of people that, that in church, they just like, come here, I want to give you a big hug. And they give you a big hug. <laughs> and, and, they, and you're just like, thank you. Thank you. You know, I give A-frame hugs. I block with my body and I go like this. And this is what I do. It's just culture, I guess. I don't know what you want to call it. But anyways... There is a need for people who are even more affectionate. Amen? That people ought to know that they're really, really loved. And it's really great when there's a young person who comes here and there's an elderly person who says, son, daughter, I just want to give you a big hug. Thank you for being here. Millie Brown, thank you. Guess what? It impacts the lives of young people. They will not forget it. They may not like it at the time, but they will not forget it. Okay, let's keep going. We don't got very much time. Okay, now go back to Matthew chapter 24. I want you to see something very remarkable. Matthew chapter 24. Let's go to verse 24. Matthew 25 verse 24, excuse me. Matthew chapter 25 verse 24. All right, now watch what the Bible says right here. Then he who had received the what? One talent came and said, Lord, I knew you to be a what? Hard man, reaping where you did not sow, and gathering where you have not scattered, what? Seed, and I was afraid, and went and hid your talent in the ground, and look, there you have what is yours. Now, what did this third servant do? No, 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 you missed it. He first tells the master something. What does he tell the master? He says, look, you're a hard man. And then he says this. You're able 
to reap where you did not sow and gather where you didn't scatter seed. And so I was afraid. I thought to myself, you know what? He's got these unusual abilities. You know what I'm going to do? I'm actually going to take this talent and I'm going to bury it. Now this is very interesting. I want you to pay attention for, to this man and what he actually did to excuse himself from the work of God. He said, number one, you are a hard man. By the way, one of the first places you read the word hard is in the book of Exodus, when the children of Israel are forced to do hard labor. When they're forced to do what? You know what this man accused his master of being? A slave driver. And then he says something else that's on the other end of the spectrum. He says, look, and you have these weird, unusual abilities where you can actually gather in places that you did not plant seeds. You actually are able to harvest where you didn't actually actually take the effort to grow or to plant seeds and to water it. You're able to do this unusual supernatural thing. And so I knew you could do that. So what I did is I just hid my talent. You know what's very remarkable? Is that there are many people who understand what God can do. Can you say amen to that? And they will use God's ability and his power as an excuse not to do the work of God. You say, can you put that in real language? You ever heard this before? God can find somebody else to witness. God, he'll find somebody else to, to pass out that piece of literature. God will find somebody else to step in for service that day. He's got that ability. Now watch what the master says. It's very interesting. Verse 26, but his Lord answered and said, you wicked and lazy servant. Strong words. Now watch this. He does not acknowledge that he is a hard man because that was false. When you take God's yoke upon you, it is easy and light. Can you say amen to that? It is not hard. Okay. You wicked and lazy servant, you knew that I reap where I did not sow and I gather where, did I, where I did not scatter seed. So you ought to have deposited my money with the bankers and at my coming I would have received back my own with interest. You know what he tells him? He says, you're right. I do have supernatural abilities. I am very successful. I can cause things to grow that haven't been planted yet. You're absolutely right about what I can do. And then he says, look, because you understood this aspect of my character and what I was able to do is why you should have at least, the bare minimum, remained neutral in the work of God. Which tells you something. The man who got in trouble at the very end was proactively resisting the Spirit of God and proactively trying to stop God from using him. Even the bank, when you deposit money in a bank, it earns money. It doesn't earn a lot of money, but at least it earns a little bit of money. Even Christians who don't proactively witness, they're still a witness. And you want to know who some of the best evangelists are? Backslidden Adventists. It surprised you. They'll be still telling people about the Sabbath when they're not keeping it. They'll still argue the state of the dead when they don't even go to church. And it's interesting to see that. You know what they're doing at least? They're still earning interest. But it's the guy or the woman who is actually intentionally 
not just refusing, but going to the extent of saying, no, I am not going to use this gift. And it's that person who's in trouble. Folks, this is why it's very important that we get involved in the work of God. We are all building up the kingdom of God. Amen? Amen. And the very work of using our talents, when we just simply trade them, that means just take it and bring it to people, you will see what God does. Can you say amen to that? Number one, let's wind this up, wind this down. Number one, commit your talents to God. Can you say amen to that? Do you know when Hannah dedicated her son Samuel to God, you know what happened? Her one talent? After she dedicated to the Lord, you read the next chapter, it says that she had many sons and daughters afterwards. God blessed her talents. And when you give your talent back to God, you say, okay, God, I am committing my ability to you. What you will discover is that God has more gifts waiting for you. You asked me seven, eight years ago, Anel, would you ever go up front and speak at a church? I would say, no way. Absolutely not. I can't even read you know, the, uh, what do you call those books? The choo-choo train books? Little engine that could books? What they're called? Anyways, anyways. I mean, I had a hard time. But I said, okay, God, I, I can't speak that well. I'm going to give this talent to you. You do with it what you want. And you know what happened? Opportunities started showing up. Hey, Anel, can you do the tithes and offering? Walked up there. First time, one of the first times I actually went up on church... I messed up so bad during the tithes and offering call that the pastor actually had to get up and finish it for me. I was so discouraged. You know what the second thing to remember about your talents and gifts? Don't give up. You mess up, that's okay. You're doing it for Jesus, amen? You keep putting your talents out there on the market and you will see what God does. He will continually refine and give you more and more and more opportunities. If you have maybe seven of eight years of, of your talent not succeeding, maybe that might be a reason to try a different talent. <laughs> maybe. Okay. But even then, don't give up. Amen? So number one, commit your talent to God. Number two, don't give up. And number three, don't forget this point. This is extremely, extremely important. Make it your motive that whenever you are using your talent... It is always for the glory of God. Amen. Always for the glory of God. If I'm coming up here to sing, you know what? I'm not here to get a... a, a <laughs> thank you. Thank you, everybody. Thank you. I'm not here to do that. I'm here to take that glory and say it belongs to him. Do the Tebow. Point up to God. Right? Seriously. All my talents are used to glorify God. If I don't have the motive of glorifying God, you know what happens? In some way, that talent is affected in its performance. In some way. So number one, commit all your talents to God. Number two, put your talents to work. Trade with them. Trade with them. Number three, don't give up. Can you say amen to that? And here's the most remarkable thing I end with this quotation from Ellen White. She says this. This is so powerful. It's just like, here it is. Wrong paper. Okay. Here it is. You guys got to listen to this. Here it is. In ordinary walks of life, there is many a man and woman patiently treading the round of daily toil, all unconscious that he possesses powers, which if called into action 
would raise them to an equality with the world's most honored men. The touch of a skillful hand is needed to arouse and develop these dormant faculties. It was such men whom Jesus connected with himself and he gave them the advantages of three years training under his own care. No course of study in the schools of the rabbis or the halls of philosophy could have equaled this in, his, in this value. Folks, I want you to understand something. There are people in this congregation right now, if they allow the skillful hand of God to arouse those dormant faculties, they will rise to the level of the world's greatest men. Are you one of those people? Do you have talents and gifts you're not even aware of? It's time to start going to work. You will reach your fullest potential of everything that God created you to be if you start trading the talents, those that you do have. You will see what God does. You will see what he does. And folks, my appeal is very simple. You have an opportunity today to discover some of those talents. Right after this service, I want you to go to the ministry fair. I want you just to browse, but before you walk into the fireside hall, I want you just to pray a simple prayer, and it's this. Lord, show me where you want me to be. And you walk in, and you will know where you need to be. Amen? How many people are going to walk into the ministry fair today, raise your hand, say, okay, I'll check it out. Maybe God has something for me. Amen. Let's pray, church family. Father in heaven, this has been a quick, rapid-fire sermon. Lord, just want to give you our talents again, our gifts. We know that there's probably, there's probably a need for another church in Ceres, another church in Modesto, another church in this area, God. Lord, we know that the kingdom of God is coming soon, and you want us to build it up and fill it. Oh, Lord, that we would be a church that exercises all our gifts, not for ourselves, but for the glory of God and unifying each other. Father, we just thank you so much for this time. In Jesus' holy name, amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.